Man, oh man, that might be the greatest thing I have ever seen. How are you, Eastside Christian Church, huh? Man, it is good to see you. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Man, I'm thrilled to have y'all here tonight. Good to have our folks back in the overflow, uh, online people all over America. You guys rock. We're glad to have you. It is good when God's people are in his house. Is that right? Is that right? All right. All right. Now, let's talk about the Word of God tonight. I have been looking forward to sharing with you a message that I believe God has put on my heart, a message that is timely for where we're at in this world right now. And it kind of comes down to this. I got to thinking when we were starting to put together our Christmas programming here at Eastside this year that I wanted us to be reminded. I want us to kind of come back together into this one spot where we find out in reminder here, because we already know this, we find out in reminder the central message of the Bible when it comes to Christmas. If we were somehow able to narrow it all down to just a few words, what does the Bible have to say about Christmas? And I think that it was communicated in angelic tongue to a bunch of ragtag farmers in the middle of the night recorded by a doctor by the name of Luke. And it all came down to these words. Check this out on this screen. Good news of great joy. Great joy. Not just joy, but great joy. The original language says mega joy. That is joy on steroids. And somewhere along the line, we tend to have seen that concept of the biblical narrative about Christmas dealing with joy. We've seen that fall off the ranks a little bit. And if you're anything like me, you probably discovered that at some point in your Christmas seasons is that we start to see that the thing that it is about the most tends to get knocked off the shelf every once in a while. Don't raise your hand. You don't have to do this. But how many of us have ever woken up on December the 26th and we said to ourselves, I am glad that's over. Something's happening when that occurs. And in a year of COVID, man, that is multiplied for the idea of joy to lose its significance. And so I come to you on this day, on this weekend, to proclaim this to you. And I want you to read it with me as you see it. If ever there is a time to recapture the Christmas narrative of joy, when is it? It is when? Now. And so I want us to kind of take that concept. And I want us to learn as reminder of church again that when God created the Christmas season, he had one thing in mind, and that was great joy. Now, when we put this series together, we got to talking and we said, what are the things 
that steal joy? What are the things that we experience this month that grab joy by the throat and rip it out of our life? And we said, let's hit it head on. Let's pick some of those, and as a church, let's say we will not allow that to rob our joy anymore. And so my brother Winston opened it up last week, and he talked to us about one of the things that steal joy from us, and it's sheer busyness. Gang, let me just tell you, let me just say this, I cannot begin to tell you how strong his teaching was last week. I can't even begin to tell you that. I sat with my wife on the couch at home and we were online campus that week with a lot of people and I sat and listened to Winston propositions that if we overextend ourselves in this busy year, it will steal your joy. And for a lot of people, when you get through Christmas and you wonder, man, where was the joy in all that? It's because you never one time stopped. And I sat to listen to his teaching and I thought, man, that is good, good stuff. And I don't want to repeat his message last week, but he, he, he did this concept where he took these These people who were held in Egypt for over 400 years, the Hebrew children of God, Israel. And, And he was just masterful. Man, I can't tell you how good the teaching was when he said after 400 years, God brings them out of that. And God begins to give them standards and guidelines about how to live differently than after 400 years being molded into the culture of Egypt. And God brings them out of that and says, you are to be a holy people now. He was, he, was, he was so meticulous in his teaching, describing that holiness means you're different now, you're separate. You mold your life not like an Egyptian now. Now you will mold your life as a child of God. And I was listening to Winston teach, and I'm on my couch, and I'm going, man, if we could ever get that message into the core of who we are, we'd finally get it as the children of God. You are not to be like the world. We're to be totally different. And so God brings them out of Israel and says, now I want you to mold yourself as a child of God. And here are guidelines about how you will do that. And one of the guidelines, one of the guidelines is God said, I've put you together. I've wrapped you. I've wrapped you this way that you need periods of pause where life stops and your body and your mind rest, and you realign, you reset with yourselves with who God is in your life. And I, I made you to have that. Now watch this. You didn't get any of that in Egypt. But you're not an Egyptian anymore. You are a child of God. And, and he brought that message in to the idea of Christmas. That somewhere in the busyness of Christmas, gang, you have got to learn to pace yourself. You've got to learn to have pauses in your life where you rest and redirect your attention, realign yourself with God. And if you're going 180 all the time and there's no pauses, it's no wonder there's not joy. Man, I cannot tell you 
that message last week, how powerful it was. And I was saying, man, our people need to hear it. I'll tell you what, as soon as I was done listening to it, I laid down and took a nap for an hour. And I woke up the most joyous I'd been in days. What a powerful, powerful message. Now today we kind of take that same theme and we say, is there anything else that, man, it will just grab joy from you if you're not aware of it, if you're not careful about it? And I want to suggest the elephant in the room. I want to talk about the thing that we all know about, that everybody has this happen to them, everybody, and that is the financial challenge that this month brings to people. That if you don't have a good idea how finances and Christmas should be married together and how they ought to work, then this is going to be a tough month for you to be joyous. Gallup is telling us this. This is mind-boggling. That Americans will spend $1 trillion on Christmas this year. $1 trillion just on Christmas. I heard a story about a couple who went out Christmas shopping one day and they went to the mall and they had all kinds of things to buy and they were were walking around the mall. They tended to get separated as often happens when you're at the mall with your spouse. And so, so the lady grabs her phone, she calls her husband, she goes, where are you at? We got all these presents to buy, man, you're nowhere around. And he said, baby, you remember when we first got married? long time ago, and we were walking in the mall, and we went in that jewelry store, and you saw that diamond necklace that you wanted really bad, and I said, honey, maybe someday we'll, we'll get to the point where we've got a little bit of money, and maybe I'll be able to hide that. You remember that? And she started crying. She goes, yeah, I remember that. I remember that story. And he said, well, I'm in the gun shop right next to it. <laughs> Rotten joke, huh? Rotten joke. If you're the guy or the girl, you need to hear this. That God has some principles about how finances work together at Christmas. And I want to I show some of them to you tonight. I want to direct our attention to the Magi. The Magi will be our teachers this evening. Those guys who follow the star to see Jesus. And when you look at their story, man, there's all kinds of details that are, are worthy of our attention. I mean, the moving star, I mean, that whole thing, and, and Herod trying to trick them, and, 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 and then killing all the, the babies two years and younger. There's so many things about the Magi stories that are worthy of attention. But I want our eyes just to look at one thing, that they showed up with gifts for Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And all of us have heard that verse before. We've all heard about it. But I want to suggest that if you look carefully at the verse today, you're going to find some concepts, some guidelines, principles that will help you Merry finances to Christmas so that it's joyful and it's not a burden. So let me throw some at you. I want to suggest, first of all, that you be generous. I want to encourage you that this becomes a goal for you during this month, that you are generous. I want to really strongly encourage you to do that. Now, if you've ever heard me preach, you know one of the things I try to do is I hate to preach if I'm not doing what I'm preaching. I hate that. And so I try when I preach that I've got that taken care of in my life. 
And if I don't have it taken care of, you all know me. I tell you, man, that is a struggle for me, and here's how I'm trying to work through it. And so I take this idea of generosity and Christmas, and I want you to know that years ago, I don't know that I could have preached that because that was a struggle for me. And so because I would come to understand how much money is spent on Christmas and how much my money is spent on Christmas, I would just get grinched out about it all and I'd be in a bad mood and everybody else would be in a bad mood because I was in a bad mood and I did not like that idea at all. You'll see the attachment here in a minute, but when I would buy a present and have to wrap it, I was the worst rapper in the world. Uh, anybody a great rapper? Raise your hand. And, and when I say rap, I'm talking Christmas rap, okay? Anybody rap cre- presents really good? And if you're a dude and raise your hand, there is something going on with you, okay? If you rap good, that is not me, man. I am terrible. A first grader rap better than me, okay? And I don't care about it, you know? If we're out of Christmas paper, we'll use birthday paper, okay? If we're out of birthday paper, we'll just keep it in the Target bag. So rapping was never my thing. But I want you to see something in this verse. Would you go back to this verse and look at it? Would you see what I want to highlight? Then they opened their treasures, that's important, and presented him, that's important, with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Look at the word treasures, It is really the word treasure box. It was a container that the well-to-do had in that day in which they carried their valuables. And you can be promised that the box that they were carrying around was of the highest quality. What's that mean? This might be the first ever wrapped Christmas box. And they presented it to him. Now, it's interesting that when he uses the word presented, it is the Greek word that they would use to describe their offerings. It would describe their their sacrificial offerings that they gave to God. And so what we're seeing here is that these magi show up, and they just don't have some things they found at Walmart and they throw down at at the feet of Jesus. No, they had thought about this carefully. They were intentional, and it reeks of generosity. And so one of the things that I want to say to you today is I want you to understand, if you'll go to this next screen, I want him to see this, that Christmas is the perfect occasion to practice generosity at a level that is greater than any other time of the year. And you may have thought that what I was going to say to you tonight is to be careful about buying presents, to go crazy about that. I'm going to say to you the opposite of that. I'm going to say that in order for joy to be a part of your Christmas, that you ought to be as generous as you possibly can be when you buy gifts for people. And I want to dive down into the weeds with that just a little bit, and I want you to hear this, that when the Bible talks about financial generosity, please hear me. That whenever the Bible talks about us being generous with our resources for any cause, watch this, it connects it to the grace of Jesus. And so my generosity is tied to the grace of Jesus. In fact, there's one place in the Bible where it talks about the act of giving and generosity is called the grace of giving. And the whole concept behind that, and I want you to hear me, Christian family, 
The whole concept behind that is that if I have received the grace of Jesus in my life, that if I know what it's like for him to forgive me when I didn't deserve it, if I know what it's like for the goodness of God to shower me with gifts that I have not earned, I have been on the receiving end of grace. Watch this, family. Watch this carefully. That if generosity from God's grace is in my spirit, I cannot help but pass that generosity on. I can't do that. That's why tithing has nothing to do with how much money you have. Nothing. Tithing has to do with have you understood the grace of God in your life. And so if you're here today and you say, you know, I'm just not a generous person, man. I work hard for my stuff and I keep my stuff and I just am not generous. The reason you're not generous is not because you don't have a lot of money or resources. The reason you're not generous yet is you haven't allowed the grace of God to sink into your life. And once the grace of God consumes you, and you live a life where I cannot believe how good he is to me. I can't understand why he forgives me and how awesome he is to me. That when that gets in with you, you will find yourself constantly giving grace, constantly forgiving people, constantly being generous. And so here we've got magi who show up with gifts to Jesus. And the reason they show up with gifts to Jesus is because they know that that Jesus is going to be graceful and generous to them. So what does all that say? What I believe that says in a concept that I want you to kind of settle with you tonight is that Christians, Christians in particular, ought to be the most generous people there are. That Christians ought to be the most generous gift givers of anyone because they are the recipients of the most generous gift. And so, Dave, how can I be joyful this year? How can I keep joy in my Christmas? Here it is. Go be generous when you buy gifts. Dudes, if you are buying your wife a pair of socks, it is time to step up your game, okay? Can I get an amen, ladies, huh? And if you're cheating grandpa because he's old and has got everything, let me tell you, a dozen Titleist Pro V1s goes a long way for grandpa, okay? So I want to encourage you, what do I got to do be, to be really joyful this year? You make sure that at the end of this month you can say, man, I was more generous this month than I've ever been in my whole life. Let me show you one other thing. I want to encourage you to be genuine. I want to encourage you really to think through this idea that you're going to be genuine when you're generous. I get people ask me all the time, Dave, you know, what's the best way to read the Bible? And, and uh, a lot of people are asking that now because we hit the front of a, a new year and a lot of people want to start reading the Bible again. And there's all kinds of different ways to read your Bible. And one of the ways that I often tell people to try to read the Bible, I call it minimal reading with careful eyes. And here's what it means. I might pick a verse, one verse, and I'm going to read that verse every day for a week. One verse every day for a week. And all I'm trying to do in that one verse is I'm trying to see little details that I've never seen before. I'm not trying to read a lot. I'm trying to read just a little bit. 
And does anything pop out that I've never, I've had times where commas changed my whole concept of what the verse was about. Let's take our verse, I wanna show you that. Going back to the text that we're looking at. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. Did you ever see the word him? I bet you didn't. Who's him? You say, dude, it's a baby. It's Jesus. Yeah, I know it's Jesus. But who's Jesus? Now watch this. He is somewhere, the best we can tell at this moment, between 40 days old and about two years old. He's probably closer to about two right now. Him is a baby receiving a gift, now don't miss this, who does not have the capacity to give them a gift back. And so what we're finding out is the Magi were not only generous, they were genuine. They weren't giving gifts so that they knew they were going to get something in return. They were going to give gifts knowing that it's all about that person. And I know I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I know I'm talking about the Son of God here. I know I'm talking about the one who helped with the creation of the world. I know I'm talking about the one who's going to come back again and be the judge of the universe. I get all that, but he's two years old, and he ain't giving a rip back to the Magi. And that didn't bother him because they were genuine in their gifts. I want to suggest to you that you think that through. That this year, if you want joy, really to be joy, get through December and say, man, that was the best it's ever been. That be generous with people you love. I hope they are generous with you. But somewhere along the line, if you want to experience joy at a mountaintop experience, look at this here. Check this out. Can we go to the next slide? If you want to experience joy at a mountaintop level, then be generous with someone who can't return the favor to you. Make sure that you're generous with somebody who does not have the capacity to be generous to you. Let me tell you about the time I remember that happening. I heard this idea from a family in this church a number of years ago, and I said, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. I want my family to do that. And I'm an old guy now. Man, I've had a lot of years of giving gifts and receiving gifts. But of all the gifts I've ever given in my life, I think this night was the one that took the cake that I remember more than anything. And so what I learned from another family, I said, I'm going to do that. And I started putting money back all year long. I saved a whole year for this. And every week, every couple of weeks, I put money in this little account over here, and I'm just, I'm just saving it up and saving it up and saving it up. My idea is by the time we get to December, there's going to be a lot of money right there. And I'm just going to save it up, save it up, save it up, save it up. Our family has a little tradition on Christmas Eve. I've done this since I was a little guy. My parents and my grandparents taught it to me. And so on Christmas Eve, our family comes to church, and then we go have a nice meal. And we go somewhere real nice and have a really nice meal on Christmas Eve. And dad pays for it all. And that's kind of our tradition. And so that year, we stuck something in the process. We came to church here. And then we went to a little restaurant down on Veterans Parkway right by here. Uh, before we went to the real nice place. And walked in this little restaurant. We sat down at this little booth. And our waiter came over. And it was me and my wife and our three sons. 
and, and we ordered five glasses of ice water and one slice of pie. And he looked at us kind of weird, and we said, we're really not all that hungry. So he brings us a pie, five glasses of water. We kind of nibble on the pie. And when he brought us his bill, he brought us a little bill for it, and then he went back in the kitchen. We put a card on that bill. a little Christmas card with an envelope, and we put it in there, and we jumped out of the booth, and we ran out into the car. And in that card was a note. And the note was from us, didn't have our name or anything in it. And the note said, we've been praying about who our waiter is going to be. We've been praying for whoever that person would be for weeks. And we want to be generous to you like God has been generous to us. And we had in that card the largest tip I have ever given anybody. And if God ever asked me to do it again, I ain't doing it again, dude. I just ain't going to do it. And it was the largest sum of money I've ever given to an individual. And we hightailed it out of there. We got in our car. We waited a little bit. Then we drove away, and we went in the back. And that guy had picked that card up, and he was in the back of the parking lot. He'd went outside the restaurant, I think, probably because he was so shook up. And he's reading the card, and he's got all this money in his hand. And he is overwhelmed in shock. And to this day, it's the best gift I've ever given. Here's why. Because he'll never be able to do anything for me. I want to encourage somewhere in your generosity that you are genuine like that. I want to encourage you to think through that and make that happen. Go help somebody who needs help this year. And they're never going to be able to help you. Find somebody anonymously and give them a gift and they'll never, it came from you. Maybe give a gift card to a church staff member or something. I don't know where that got in my notes, but anyway, that just came from, I think, the spirit of God in the moment. Be genuine. Be genuine. Let me give you one more. We're going to get out of here. I want to encourage you to be genius. Be genius this Christmas. If you can figure this out, you're going to be joyful. Listen carefully. You mess this up, it's going to be a horrible month for you. And it'll be a horrible year for you to start next year. Here's the idea. If you're not aware of this, this is real simple that everybody ought to understand, that the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, is told two times in the Bible. It's told by Matthew and it's told by Luke. Those are the only two places we read about the birth of Jesus in detail account. And Matthew is all about the Magi, and Luke is all about the shepherds. And so this week we're looking at, at, at Matthew, and next week we're going to look at Luke and the shepherds. So now we're, we're zeroing in on, on Matthew and the Magi, and this is the verse we've been looking at it. Look at it one more time from Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of, and then this is what we remember, gold incense and myrrh. Those, <laughs> those are some nice gifts. Only people of means could ever come up with something like that. That's some nice stuff. Now watch this. Next week, we will go to Luke and we'll look at the shepherds who show up at Jesus. And you know what the shepherds brought him? Nothing. Nothing. And so how come the Magi show up with extreme gifts and the shepherds show up with nothing? How come that is? Well, there's a real simple answer to it, and it's this. Because the Magi could afford it, and the shepherds couldn't.
And so if you take anything tonight, here's what I want you to take. Check this out. The genius of generosity is to operate within your means. To be generous within your means. Remember the Gallup poll? One trillion dollars spent on Christmas in America this year. Here's something that is even more earth-shattering than that. 22% of American families will go into debt to do it. That is not genius. Let me tell you a story about it. It's been, I'm starting to scratch a little bit. Am I good? Is this okay? It's not okay. Can I get a, man, look how fast that guy is. Give it up for Mr. Aquila Bach. Okay, quick story, we're going to be out of here. I try to think when it happened, it must have been 50 years ago. I know some of you aren't even that old, but, so I'm a little guy. And um, I was given a gift on that Christmas that to this day may be the greatest gift I've ever received. And I say that in sensitivity to my wife who've given me incredible gifts through the years. Um, but I remember when I got that day at Christmas like I've never received. I only wanted one thing. I was a little guy. I only wanted one thing. I had a buddy named Greg Davis, lived in our neighborhood about a half mile away, and Greg was selling a set of weights. He had a set of weights. He sold them for 10 bucks, and I said, it's about time for the haste to bulk up, and so I told my mom and my dad, I want those weights. I want those weights. That's all I wanted. I just wanted the weights. That was the most important thing I wanted. So Christmas came, and man, my mom did Christmas up, okay? She did it up. My sister's in this room, and she will attest to it. I'm not sure she was genius, okay, if you know what I mean. We got everything. And so Christmas came, we opened all the gifts, and man, it was unbelievable, all kinds of stuff. No weights. Man, 50 years ago, and I remember that. And I've always been a very, very mature, standout, rock solid, you know, do the right thing kid. And so I pouted all day long. I pouted and pouted. I was grumpy. I was a Grinch. I made everybody else grumpy and a Grinch. And I was upset about it. And are you, something wrong with you? No, nothing's wrong with me. And I was just a grump all day long. And toward the end of the day, my dad came over to me and said, Davey, let's go outside. And I thought, oh, 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 I'm gonna get it. And we went outside, went in the backyard of our house, and he put his arm around me. He says, why don't you take a ride with me? And we got in a car, and we're driving out of the back, the garage here. I thought, oh, no, he's gonna take me out and kill me somewhere. So we're, we're pulling out, and he drives over to that, um, I can't remember the name of the street. It was a court, and he pulled over there, and he pulled right into my buddy's house, Greg Davis, he looked at me, he said, why don't you just stay right here for a second? And he got out of the car and he went up and he knocked on the door and it is Christmas day. He knocked on the door and Greg's dad, Larry, came to the door. Larry and my dad are like best buddies and I'm watching him talk and I see my dad pull his billfold out 
and he handed some money to Larry. And then I watched my dad and Larry and my buddy Greg start bringing these weights out. And they put them in the trunk of the car. And Larry and Greg went back in the car and dad got in the car. And he put his hand on my head and he ruffled my hair. And he said, Merry Christmas, Davey. He was generous because I didn't deserve it. He was genuine because there was nothing. I'm giving back to him. And he was genius because they were used weights. God, let me someday. God, let me someday display you in my generosity. Go have that type of month. Father, I thank you that you've been that way for me my whole life. And somehow would you help us to see that this is more than buying clothes or getting online and having toys sent somewhere. It's so much more than all that. It is reflecting who you are to us. Help us to be that way. And joy will be off the charts. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.